You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. We're breaking down the 2021 NFL Draft division by division. Up today is the AFC North. Baltimore Ravens, Cincinnati Bengals, Cleveland Browns, and Matt's Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm sure he's got some great insight there. We'll save that for the third segment. A teaser for tomorrow. We're bouncing back between the AFC and the NFC. So tomorrow's episode is going to be the NFC North. Some really good reports coming out of the Packers organization right now, which is like I saw somebody explain it as the real housewives <laughs> of Green Bay with what's going on with that. <laughs> Uh, that organization, it's nuts. The latest report I just saw from Pro Football Talk said that Aaron Rodgers reportedly mocked GM Brian Gutenkust in a group text mess- messages with teammates referring to Gutenkust as former Bulls GM Jerry Krause. And for those of you who watched The Last Dance, the 90s Chicago Bulls documentary, about a year ago, this point last yeah, about right about a year ago, uh, that that was going yeah. huge on ESPN. It was really fantastic. That's not a good thing. You don't want to be compared to Jerry Krause. So there is definitely something going on there with the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, and this might be going on for a while. That's why I'm not too worried about needing to cover it today because there's probably going to be new reports tomorrow when we do talk about the North and probably continuing on into the summer. Yeah, I'm sure that's true. I mean, this seems like the... The soap opera of the day. There's always there's been a few. Really, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson's is ongoing. I mean, there's been a lot more than usual this time or this year. And this is the second version of the Rodgers one. Remember when they got eliminated? It was when we started hearing about this. You know, it seems like a million years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think this is done yet, though. Definitely not. Stretch. Yeah, definitely not done yet. And then there was another report that the Packers might. Uh, be upset with some other teams, including the 49ers and the Broncos, of maybe tampering with Aaron Rodgers. So we'll see if tampering charges get filed there with this. So this is going to be, this is the soap opera of the summer, man. Without question, without question. And it could linger now. I mean, there's no deadlines on the horizon or draft coming up. So I'm sure we'll be talking about it a lot. Let's push that off till tomorrow. More Packers, Bears, Lions, Vikings talk in the NFC North, when we look at that draft class there in that division. Today is the AFC North, Matt. And uh, that means we're going to start with the Baltimore Ravens. Their draft class began with Rashad Bateman, wide receiver out of Minnesota in round one. Jason Owe in round, at the end of round one. So a couple of first rounders there after they traded away Orlando Brown. So big time wide receiver project, uh, prospect, big time edge project. And then went into the trenches, Ben Cleveland, uh, Tylen Wallace, wide receiver out of Oklahoma State, doubling up on wide receivers there. Sean Wade from Ohio State, the corner fell all the way to the fifth round. And then a fullback to end it at the end of their three fifth round picks, Ben Mason from Michigan. Uh, some other picks in there I didn't mention there. What, what are your thoughts on overall with this Baltimore Ravens draft class? It's always good. I have great respect for the organization. I love to talk about how they set themselves up with picks. I mean, so they they made eight selections, all in the fifth round or better. And frankly, I thought the sixth and seventh round this year were pretty junky. So they got their picks where they want them, including two firsts. No shocks at all that they go edge and receiver with their first two selections. And I think we need to mention, I mean, just yesterday, which was sort of a foregone conclusion, they signed Al Villanueva to a two-year deal. and. 
I love Al. He's a phenomenal human being. Not that we're like buddies or anything, but he's he is super smart. I think I think that's a bad fit, though. I mean, he's a left tackle that they're going to ask to play right tackle, and he's much better in protection than he's a run blocker. So, other than that, he's a great fit in Baltimore. <laughs> a team, a team that runs the ball more than anybody in the NFL. There, maybe they want to pass more than they have in the past, though. And Probably. continued development from their quarterback. They got themselves a first-round wide receiver, got themselves a fourth-round wide receiver as well. So, I, I don't know. The, the continued development of Lamar Jackson, I think, is going to be fascinating just for his career arc as a football fan. It's going to be fun to watch, and I think there's still more there, and I think the Ravens believe that and want to help him get there. Yeah, I, I hate on counting on rookies to be his receivers, though. They've mm-hmm. tried that time and time again. Not a knock on Bateman. I like Bateman an awful lot. It clearly would have been my pick when the 27th selection came up. And then I think they got a little bonus prize in Tylen Wallace because I, I I guarantee they didn't expect him to fall to the 131st spot overall and just thought, hey, if we got some picks here, let's do it. So I'm cool with that. And always in a good spot where he can develop. It's a little concerning he had zero sacks, though. I mean, he's the most athletic guy. He's the best specimen on the field for every snap he took and still didn't fall on a quarterback. You know, like, that worries me a little bit. The other third-round pick, Brandon Stevens, I kind of had to go shuffling. Who's this guy? You know, he's a former running back that didn't test well. Um, I give him the benefit of the doubt, but uh, I don't quite understand that one. And then Ben Cleveland certainly fits what they do. He's a massive 350-pound guard. Ben Cleveland is an odd specimen because when I saw him, and usually I'm scouting through a 49ers lens when I'm looking at players, and I don't spend a lot of time on guys that I don't think are a scheme fit for the 49ers, sort of give them a quick grade and and move on. And Ben Cleveland was one of those guys when you're 6'6", 350 pounds, it's like, "Eh, probably not the guy they're looking for in that wide zone running game but he tested really well too he, like, did, he is yeah. a certified freak this guy is nuts you see him with the shirt off too he doesn't look like a sloppy 350 that's hard to do no right i mean he looks like a a big offensive tackle you know and moves that way maybe they think he can be he can be the right tackle i i've never seen anyone project that way but he is not just a slow-footed heavy masher type you're right about that and if Football doesn't work out for him. Maybe professional wrestling could absolutely ah, see that being a, a second career for, for Ben Cleveland. Absolutely. But yeah, it's obviously this class, the, the way it grades out now versus the way it grades out in three years, it's going to come down to those first round picks, Rashad Bateman and Jason Oway. How do they develop? Does Oway's athleticism prove to be dynamic enough and allow him to continue to develop because you love some things you see on tape, some other things like, okay, he might need some time there, but Dynamic athlete. Let's see what they get out of this class. I love the quote from Rashad Bateman, though, after he was drafted and asked what kind of, because I think there was some talk about, uh, you know, some players, veterans didn't want to sign with the Ravens, not sure if they pass enough, you know, they they want to be featured more. And some prospects talk about, I don't care. I think it was, uh, I think it was Terrace Marshall. They asked him what time, what, what team he wants to go to. He's like, I don't care what team I go to. I just want them to throw the ball a lot. And he's always, he was always, um, he was always pegged for the Ravens. He's like, well, maybe that's not the exact fit if you want to get the ball thrown to you a ton. Rashawn Bateman had the opposite to say after he was drafted. And he said, I'm going to be whatever Lamar Jackson needs. That's what I'm going to be. And I think that was pretty cool to hear from him. Right. So nice little fit there for uh, you know a guy who can be a chain mover that obviously the Ravens and Lamar Jackson need. 
Yeah, and one of my problems with counting on rookie receivers is it takes them a while to develop their route running and separation skills and all those things. I do think Bateman is rather NFL ready. I, I hesitate to use that term. Yeah, it's it's hard for any rookie wide receiver to be super NFL ready, but of the prospects in this class, you know, he's a pretty good route runner and would seem to, he's mm-hmm. played a lot of football, would seem to be someone who could hit the ground running in and be a player that, and it's, I mean, even last year with the crazy offseason we had, we saw some first round wide receivers play really well as rookies, which kind of surprised me last year. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, it's not, boy, they need three years like it used to be. It's just when that, when you're counting on one of those guys to be your number one, it's yeah. just a little bit of a crapshoot, and we've seen them try that. I mean, the Browns and Boykins and all these other guys. Um, I always talk. I, I talk at the death. You know, I just think that they need a eight year veteran that knows all the tricks of the trade. That's not Sammy Watkins is a little and a little more reliable. Speaking of rookie quotes, there's a really good one from the Pittsburgh Steelers first round running back Najee Harris that we'll get to when we talk Steelers, Bengals. And Brown's coming up as well, looking at the draft classes for the AFC North. I want to tell you about Nugenics, the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC, is offering a complimentary bottle to all football fans in America. To get your complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total T, text DRAFT to 231-231. That number is 231-231. This unique man-boosting formula is powered by Testafin, which helps boost free testosterone and total testosterone levels and increase energy and lean muscle mass. Nugenics Total T is a great way to increase lean muscle and feel stronger with more energy and endurance. And like the TV ads say, she'll like it too. Plus, text now and they'll include a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you get back in shape absolutely free. Text DRAFT to 231231. That's draft to 231-231. Message and data rates may apply. This episode is brought to you by 1010, a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced, limited edition designs at fair price points. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Rings sure to bring joy into her life. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring, ideal for engagement, Mother's Day, or simply a beautiful conversation piece. They're the perfect way to bring light into her life. They're available now through Mother's Day only on BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10 by 10. This collection features high quality, fine jewelry that will surprise and delight and fairly priced. So you can give her something special and truly meaningful this Mother's Day. They won't be around for long, so find them now by searching the words 10 by 10 only at BlueNile.com. One of the big debates following the 49ers number three pick and the Niners just owned the pre-draft process as far as media speculation and talking about the NFL draft. Nobody cared about pick one and two, knew what that was going to be. The draft started at pick three, and then I pick five, I think, with the Cincinnati Bengals was the next most talked about just because such a heated debate of team building. Do you draft the offensive tackle or do you draft the wide receiver? And the Bengals went with Jamar Chase, wide receiver out of LSU, their number one overall pick quarterback from last year's college teammate. And that was the first of a trend there we saw of reuniting, you know, weapons and quarterbacks going all the way to ATN and Lawrence and Hertz and uh, Tua getting their Bama guys. Um, 
yeah, that's a bigger conversation, and we talked about it a lot. You know, the tackle versus the receiver. In the end, I'm not sure there was a wrong answer, and a lot of people just want to be critical. Either probably would have worked out fine. I think getting Jackson Carmen, I know he has some injury issues, is probably a plug-and-play guard. He's not a tackle. And then they came back and got Deontay Smith, who's one of my favorite mid-round tackle projects. So it's not like they ignored offensive line. You know, they, they did bring in two prospects I like that should help them. But they're loaded now at the receiver position and weapons, if you include Mixon. I also, you know, this is a six-round pick, but my favorite late running back was Chris Evans from Michigan, who isn't all that dissimilar to Mixon. I mean, just in terms of physical abilities, really didn't get the ball much, but just keep an eye on him. I drafted him in my last pick in my dynasty pick draft last night. So um, just somebody that I'm keeping an eye on. But all in all, I liked the Bengals draft. Didn't love it. I liked it. Um, I'm going to commend them, too, for making a lot of picks, you know, three picks in round four after a trade down. Drafted basically, you know, they drafted three defensive linemen in a row. You know, that's a little crazy, but I think it was not a bad move for them. And they ended up with Tyler Shelvin, you know, the nose tackle of the draft, which some people can roll their eyes and say, boy, that's an outdated dinosaur pick. But it was in the fourth round, and you play the Browns twice a year, and you play Baltimore twice a year. I actually really like their third and fourth rounds. Osai, you got your stand-up type rusher. Cameron Samples, a bigger defensive end who's really good at the senior bowl. And Tyler Shelvin's your nose tackle. I, I love those picks. And then Dante uh, Smith, who's a long-armed project. Yeah. It could even be a starting left tackle in the NFL out of East Carolina. So, you know, a yeah. nice project there. I, I loved those four picks in a row with their third and their three fourth rounders. But, yeah, when you look at it in round one and two, uh, I was definitely team Sewell as far as this goes. Protect your quarterback. I thought they had some pretty good wide receivers. And if you're looking at offensive tackle, wide receiver combo in the first two rounds, uh, one of his other teammates from LSU, Terrace Marshall, was still there for him in the second round. Sewell Marshall all day long for me if you're looking at round one versus round two with how this thing fell. So um, yeah. I, I would have probably graded him better if that's what the draft looked like at the top. You know, they, they couldn't have known that Marshall was going to fall there or maybe they just didn't like Marshall. And I don't know that Jamar Chase is that much of a difference maker to uh, for me to take him over Sewell in round one. I, I just have some questions with Jamar Chase. He's not Julio. He's not Megatron, right? And that's what I'm looking for in the top five if I'm going to draft wide receiver just because that wide receiver position's so deep. So it, it's, it's nitpicking because they could have absolutely got it right and have a superstar in Chase and nobody's going to care. And if Jackson Carmen comes in and he's a you know plug-and-play offensive guard, as you said, then they're, it's going to be a, a fine draft. So a good draft, but I was definitely leaning – offensive tackle in round one for them yeah and I totally understand that line of thinking I probably do too in a nutshell um two other guys to mention the six rounder center Trey Hill I liked out of Georgia and Wyatt Hubert another edge guy so I bring them up just because they drafted seven linemen <laughs> I mean like this is all about the D and O lines after Jamar Chase with the exception of a fifth round kicker, which Ooh. I can't get behind. Yeah, I, I don't. I did not put on the kicker tape. I don't know if you did before the <laughs> I don't draft. Know how good but he is. Every but... time the first kicker or punter goes in any draft, I'm just like, oh, that's a reach. That's, that's just bad. Yeah. It, but... And then I can't help myself. I mean, being an AFC North guy, bringing a kicker to this neck of the woods. Let's see what that's like come playoff time in December and wind and rain and all that. Too. I mean, everybody does need a kicker at some point. You start talking yeah. fifth, sixth, seventh round. I'm okay with the kicker. I know some teams 
do the third round, fourth round kicker thing. It's just like every time I just scratch my head, like, what are you doing, man? Like, this is something that you draft in the seventh round or, or find a free agent, someone that can kick for you. But if he turns out to be someone who's nails and making big kicks at the end of games, then it's a fantastic fix, uh, pick for a fifth rounder. They've been going through them left and right there, too. Yeah. I mean, I understand how frustrating it must be to be. I would say this about kickers. I think there's 20 to 25 NFL kickers on the planet right now. And those seven to 10 teams that don't have them is so frustrating because you give them three weeks and then you cut them and then yeah. you go get another guy. You know, there's no patience. It's just frustrating. Yeah, it is frustrating. And it's hard in the draft, too, because it seems like the top kicker drafted every year is never the best kicker. It's always terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't even know, like, what, how do you even go about scouting that? Because, like, there's a ton of guys with big legs. How do you know how a guy's going to react to some huge big game kicks in the NFL? It's um, it's it's really a fascinating position. It's, it's so crazy how different it is from the rest of the football game, too. Like, special teams and oh, practicing right, right. by themselves off to the side all game. It's... the, the Football's wild when it comes to the kicking game, like how extra it is compared to whatever else is going on and what we pay attention to as fans. And as we look at the NFL draft, we're like, oh, yeah, there's this whole segment of the game, a third of the game that we don't even look at and we don't care about it. And we kind of wish it didn't exist. It would almost it would almost be like if you play 18 holes of golf, hole seven and hole 14, the ball moves or something. It's like, yeah. it's, like it's a totally different game. Yeah, like you, you, know, like you shoot a free throw. Instead yeah, of right. Or somebody chases you while you hit the ball. You know what I mean? Like, it's just a totally different game. I've, that was hard for me when I when I picked up golf. I was like, I, I want to run to the ball. I feel like there needs to be more <laughs> movement walk here. around, smoke stogie. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's talk Cleveland Browns here. I love this draft. Uh, of all the drafts we've talked about so far, this might be, I think this is a top three class for sure. And it's between a couple here. But, man, just it fell so great for him. And they didn't trade up. They didn't need to do anything crazy. They just kind of let the draft fall to them and found some fantastic fits. Uh, round one, uh, they could have traded up for the corner. They didn't. Greg Newsom fell to them. I thought that was fantastic for the Browns at pick 26. I thought they'd be on the outside looking in at the top corners. So that's great. And then I like their second rounder even better in Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. And maybe, Matt, you can speak on this because I know you were high on Owusu-Koromoa as well. Yeah. Teams just don't know how to use that size of linebacker. What, what was the deal with Cormoa falling so far into the second round? This morning I heard there was some rumbling about a heart issue, and I don't mean to put that out there if it's not true, but it came out very, very late in the process. I also think that – I think his true playing weight's a little over 200 pounds. I mean, I think his mm -hmm. pro day he was like 215, but I don't think he plays – he plays at a very small weight. And – I also think that these highly versatile Isaiah Simmons guys are, you better have a plan, you know? So if there was three of those little concerns about him, I mean, he only fell to the 52nd pick, but that I thought he was a surefire first rounder. Don't get me wrong. Love his tape. To your point about this draft, this draft makes me think, boy, this Browns organization does really understand. You know, we've been teased by front offices in Cleveland before, where they almost kind of build something this year is a couple years in, they know what they're doing. This is the type of draft you have when you don't have glaring needs. You know, they didn't trade it all to get in the top five for a guy. They took quality positions, tackles and receivers and corners and just let the draft fall to them. They didn't have to reach, you know, like James Hudson in the fourth round, 
is a project tackle on a team that probably is the best offensive line in the league. But I'm not going to turn my nose up at a tackle that could be a starter in this league in the fourth round. Yeah, and they have time to develop that player. Similarly, the third rounder out of Auburn, wide receiver Anthony Schwartz, the fastest guy in this draft class. It's like Mm -hmm. legitimate track speed. I don't know how his game is going to translate to the NFL, but late third round, take take a swing on a on a wide receiver that's that athletic and he doesn't have to play early and play a big role. I really like the Demetric Felton pick, a slot type wide receiver, running back yeah. hybrid who didn't work out great but looked awesome at the Senior Bowl. Uh, I think he's uh, the type of player that's going to outplay his draft slot and be a nice little uh, third down weapon for you in the slot. Yeah, and you mentioned Schwartz's world-class speed. I bet he plays 12 snaps a game and every defense is on alert you know, as much as they run the ball to have that speed element on the outside off of play action, all of a sudden you get guys backing off the line of scrimmage a little bit, you know. So even if he catches 10 balls this year, he's going to have a threat down every time he's on the field. Um, a couple other guys to mention. Tommy Togiai, to me, is one of my favorite defensive tackles and a terrible defensive tackle class. I just think he is a tough SOB that's really hard to play against. I mean, not a super high ceiling, but I think he's a really good football player. And then the other thing I heard about is uh, Georgia's safety, uh, Richard LeCount, I think his name is, is tested horribly, like 4-8-ish. But it just shows that this is an advanced metric type of team. I guess his GPS numbers on the field were pretty good for speed. So, you know, those are things that don't come out. But that's something I had heard about him. The GPS speed is definitely the the wave of the future when it comes to the NFL draft. And I'm a believer in it and I love it. And it makes me so mad that we don't have that information because I would love that leading up to the draft or right after the draft because you don't hear it until – the team drafts a player, and they're like, oh, yeah, he had this great GPS speed. I've heard it a few times with the 49ers. Dre Greenlaw was one of those. They got a starting linebacker in the fifth round, ran four sevens, uh, but had, like, this crazy fast GPS time that was among the fastest uh, of the play- pro- linebacker prospects in the draft that year. And I, I think it's really important because play speed's more important than 40 times speed. And I think we've already known that, but now we have another metric to use to measure that speed, which is important. Yeah, I'm hoping we can all get a hold of that sooner than later. Um, last two notes here, Greg Newsom will probably come in and start and be very good for a very long time. You know, so, I mean, I think that's an easy pick that late in the first round. My one criticism of the Browns, I thought a month ago, the biggest need on the team was an edge rusher opposite, um, Miles Garrett. By the way, did you see him in his suit? Holy cow. What an unbelievable specimen he is. <laughs> He's a monster. But I would not be counting on Tack McKinley and Jadavian Clowney to have filled that need. Yeah, they. Uh, I think collectively they might be okay there, but it's definitely Maybe. something to look out for. And there were some, um, there were some edge prospects around. I think in the mid rounds that were, that could have been drafted in, in maybe that project realm to at least compete with those guys and maybe be the guy of the future. But, you know, maybe that's yeah. a need for another day and they'll worry about that next year. And uh, I don't know if there's anybody that could have taken over Newsom or Koromoa in those spots just because they were just too, you know, they, they were just too perfect and too valuable there. So, mm-hmm. you know. That's the one thing I'd worry about a little bit. But this is a really good roster. Oh, fantastic draft class here. Browns are a really good team. They got stronger in this draft and found value from the first round to the sixth round. So absolutely love this class. One of the best in the draft this year. Yeah, I agree. Let's talk Pittsburgh Steelers next. Uh, I Some picks I liked, some picks I didn't, Matt, and I'm really curious to see how you felt about this class as a whole next. How have win totals changed in your mind for NFL teams following 
the 2021 NFL Draft at Bet Online. 12.5 over under for those Kansas City Chiefs. 11.5 for the team that beat them in the Super Bowl. Over under 11.5 wins for the Tampa Bay Bucks. 10.5 for the Ravens, the Bills, the 49ers. At the bottom end of the spectrum, Texans. Four wins is the over under in Houston. Offensive, defensive rookies of the year. NFL. In addition to NFL Futures, NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, all the big events, TV events, even reality TV, poker, table games, find it all at betonline.ag. Can't forget horse racing, triple crown, get all the latest odds and info for all your sporting needs. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in the game. Go to the website or use the mobile app to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Promo code locked on at Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors plus the occasional limited time flavor like jalapeno recently? If you find that one, give it a shot. I was pleasantly surprised. Coconut, coconut almond, peanut butter is my favorite, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, salted caramel, double chocolate, raspberry, some of the classic flavors there, and they're filtering through new flavors all the time. Something for everyone. And as we know from the Built Bar bracket, some passionate fans about their favorite flavors. Not only are Built Bar the best tasting protein bars on the market, they're healthy too. We're talking 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, 4 grams of net carbs, and 4 grams of sugar. You can find a flavor that satisfies you or build your own box of Built Bars and use promo code LOCKED15. For 15% off, go to BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Matt, you know how I feel about first-round running backs, and I really like Najee right. Harris. He was a local prospect out of high school over here, and I love the story about him having his draft party uh, at the uh, at the homeless shelter that he spent some time in in the past. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, that was that was an amazing story, and, and everything I hear about him, everyone loves this young man in high character. He could be a three-down running back. I love the player. Just don't value the position enough to take him in round one. But I know he was the guy. He was the main target you thought for the for the Steelers all along there at pick twenty four. Yeah, I absolutely believe that to be true. Um, I think they very very much see a Lev Bell usage pattern for this guy. Tons of snaps, receiver, runner, physical. This also goes for Fryermuth, the second round pick. That if you go look at their draft history the last few years, they've kind of dicked around with you know mid to late running backs and tight ends. And I think they looked around and said, I'm sick of that. You know, let's go fix these two problems. There's really only three backs that can do it in this draft. There's no chance we're going to get, what's his face, the stud from Florida tight end. Of course, Pitts is not going to be in the the equation. And it's Friar Muth or basically bust. So if we can get a shot at those guys, we're going to take it. There's a lot of offensive linemen at tackle and center. And if that has to suffer around, we're going to do it to get those guys, Harris and Fryermuth. And they both ended up getting them. And the reason I bring those guys up is I think you have to look at this draft and the entire offseason through one light or through one lens of they are preparing for the next quarterback. You know, whoever the guy is after Ben next year, a rookie the next version of Sam Darnold, Jimmy Garoppolo, Deshaun Watson. I don't know. I mean, it's going to be somebody different. It could be some big name. It could be a rookie. It could be 
Mason Rudolph. I mean, it's going to be somebody different. And they are building a nest, as I often talk about, for easy receptions to running backs and tight ends. And as they build a line in a running game, that's what this is all about. They never admit that, but that's what it's all about. That makes perfect sense. And maybe a veteran and a rookie next year coming to town uh, in Pittsburgh at quarterback. They'll have a ton of cap space. They'll mm-hmm. have some extra draft picks, too. Like, next year's offseason will be a lot more fun. And just, uh, I'm going to finish talking about this year's draft class, but just looking ahead at what, it, on paper, it would seem like the 2022 Pittsburgh Steelers are going to look like. Not that different from a team, really good defense, a team that's rock yeah. solid, can run the ball from when Ben came into the league, right? A rookie that can come in, maybe play early, but doesn't need to be the be the, the, the leader of the whole thing and, and drive the bus necessarily. I think that's what they're trying to build. I mean, if car or somebody comes available that doesn't need that to that extreme, they'll probably pull the trigger. But I think they're trying to build a team that's pretty self-sufficient. And frankly, Ben needs that too this year. I mean, think late yeah. career Elway, you know, is what they're going to just try to sell him and build a new off, a new run game, um, run the ball a higher percentage of the time, be more physical. You know, I, I wrote an article for Steelers.com yesterday that a couple trends of this draft where they were all big school guys, which is rare for them. They're all very physical for their respective position, a lot of versatility and a lot of potential, you know, early playing time for some of these guys, including Kendrick Green, who I think they project. I know they project as a starting center. Uh, I love, my favorite pick for the Steelers was Green. I want to get to him in yeah. a second. But uh, one more note on Najee Harris. My favorite quote so far from rookie draft picks. Najee Harris says of Marcus Peters and his brotherly talk. So apparently Marcus Peters and Najee Harris had some sort of a quote-unquote brotherly talk about the Steelers-Ravens He was rivalry. in the draft room with Najee. When oh, they called was. him, Peters was in there screaming in the background, I'm playing you twice a year. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And I love this quote from Najee Harris. He said, uh, he's going to have the other 10 players come up and hit me because he's not. Okay, so I love that. He's already in that Steelers-Ravens rivalry. That is a fantastic quote for a rookie on day one. Yeah, I heard that one too. Uh, we actually had him on the air, and he told us that quote, so I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, Pete, he's real close with Marshawn Lynch and Peters. So Yeah, Oakland, California guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kendrick Green, fantastic value. I love the player. Guard, center, versatility. I assume he's going to play center for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I love his no movement doubt, yeah. skills. I, he can put people on their back as well. Uh, awesome pick. Uh, I thought that was the best selection of this entire draft for me for the Steelers. Right. And when we were on the air, pick 53 comes up, and we just all assumed, just like we did in the first round, this is going to be Creed Humphrey. You know, how are you going to pass that up? A really good center. They took Fryer Muth, and we kind of scrambled a little bit. And then the more I thought about it, like I mentioned earlier, Fryer Muth was really the only tight end that's worth it. Otherwise, you might as well throw another dart in the seventh round in this class. But I bet Humphrey, um, maybe Josh Myers, a handful of these centers, including Kendrick Green, we're all pretty much on the same tier for them. And I kind of found out after the fact that I was right, that there was five or six centers, which again is rare, that are starting caliber type guys. And I think Green absolutely fits that. Talk to me about some of these later picks. I think on day three, the Quincy Roche selection stands out to me. That's a stand-up pass rusher. I don't know how he's still there in the sixth round. This guy's got a motor that doesn't stop. He was productive in college, and uh, he just seems like someone who's too easily a rotational pass rusher that shouldn't have lasted to the sixth round. Definitely my favorite one of the picks after the top three. I think he'll be the third outside linebacker, edge guy. 
um, pretty much from day one, productive, not a super high ceiling, you know, not the longest arms mm-hmm. or the best tester, but super productive at Temple and then at Miami. Um, <laughs> we, we mentioned bombing teams for kickers. It, it was the last pick of the draft, but they took a punter who's 260 pounds. Have you seen him yet? <laughs> and I have not Harvin seen him. the third. Not, not only is he 260, he's 5'11", 260. Yeah. Yes. He looks like a bowler or a fullback or something. I mean, he has huge legs and he bombs the ball, but uh, he looks, he kind of has the Jerome Bettis build going. That's wild because punters are always <laughs> right. tall. When you said he was 260, I pictured a power forward, not a fullback. I thought he was 6'6". Six, six, yeah. yeah. Wow, I can't wait to see that. Uh, he's instantly my favorite punter in the league. I love it. Presley Harvin the yeah, third. The third, yes. Okay, that's fantastic. <laughs> All right, uh, just wrapping this division up here, Matt, the AFC North. The Steelers obviously started off super hot last year, fell off a cliff. Are they going to maintain that level? Are they going to get back there and, and stay to what we saw at the beginning of the season? Obviously led by their defense, trying to improve the running game. There is the Cincinnati Bengals who are up and coming and could absolutely close the gap on the other teams in this division when they got their franchise quarterback. If he is healthy, obviously the Cleveland Browns, our favorite draft uh, of, of all of these, are already a really good team. The Baltimore Ravens are already a very good team. Like This division is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. And I think my Steelers are in the, the midst of their version of a rebuild, but probably are still... 500, you know, nine wins on a 17-game schedule, maybe that seventh seed in a playoff type of deal. I mean, Tomlin's never had a losing season, and they were 8-8 eight and eight without a quarterback or a running game two years ago. Um, I think since he's still clearly fourth, but really excited to watch Burrow and those weapons and that offense this year. I think they're going in the right direction. I'm torn. You know, we sit here on you know 5-5, May 5th, and – I think Cleveland's probably number one. Ooh. I hesitate to say that. I like it. Okay. The Cleveland Browns. We'll find out. It's going to be a fun division to watch. We'll be back with the NFC North draft classes tomorrow right here. Peacock and Williamson.